talking about the cold plunge, and that naturally leads us to heat exposure. So the heat exposure is actually my favorite thing um, that out of all these like biohacking things you can do, uh, it's the most enjoyable, I would say. <laughs> so heat exposure um, from the sauna or the sweat lodge, in my opinion, and, and from what I've done a little research on, is a parallel effect on its healing capacity. Uh, there's not really any research on the sweat lodge, so when I say research, I just mean talking to people in my own experiences. Uh, my teacher says a sweat lodge is not a sauna, and for very good reasons. Uh, in Finland, it, the very good reasons are, you know, a sauna can be a very casual experience. It can be a very deep spiritual experience too, but it can be very casual, and that's okay. The sweat lodge is a prayer. It's a ceremony. It's something that you can't quantify and there's an etiquette and a protocol and a discipline that goes into it as a group and not always a group sometimes individual healing but that's something that's uh it's very different and when you go to a traditional lodge you will know the difference between that and the sauna for many reasons including the intensity intensity not just in the in the consciousness of it but in the in the collective discipline and drive of the people and then the the mysticism of it let's leave it at that that being said you know there's also uh a lot of mystical premise in the sauna too in my opinion if if approached that way so uh there's actually like a latvia sauna ceremony uh where they guide you with sound different herbs and they get you hot and get you cold over the course of several hours staying in the sauna brings you it's the same thing of playing on the stress response but using heat more this time and uh really interesting i would like to go try it i read about it in scott carney's second book which the name is escaping me i believe it's called the wedge yes it's called the wedge you can check it out it's got a lot of different biohacking stories and things the indigenous traditions would not allow him to come study a lodge because of the genocide against the native traditions why would they want to welcome uh an anthropologist to make money off of it so anyways rambling ending there <laughs> so in finland there's roughly 338 million sauna visits a year and they have 40 to 60 people die in sauna related accidents and the majority of those deaths are alcohol-related, such as getting too drunk and passing out in the heat. Like I said, it's not a sweat lodge. Uh, overall, though, it's an extremely safe and beneficial practice. And I'm going to talk about uh, the sauna here because it's something that's more accessible to people. And I feel like the lodge is something that shouldn't really be discussed so much on a podcast, except in specific small ways. So uh, there was a very famous study done with... 2300 men in finland over the course of nearly 30 years following up with them where they found that men who use the sauna two to three times per week were 27 percent less likely to die from cardiovascular related causes than men who didn't use the sauna furthermore the benefits they experienced were found to be dose dependent men who use the sauna roughly twice as often about four to seven times per week experienced roughly twice the benefits and were 50% less likely to die from cardiovascular-related causes. In addition, frequent sauna users were found to be 40% less likely to die from all causes of premature death. That's interesting, right? Just the sauna itself prevents you from dying from anything. 40% less than people who don't use it. 
So the study also revealed that frequent sauna use reduced the risk of developing dementia and Alzheimer's disease in a dose-dependent manner. Men who used the sauna four to seven times per week had a 66% lower risk of developing dementia and a 65% lower risk of developing Alzheimer's disease compared to men who used the sauna only one time per week. Quite profound, stark differentiation. The health benefits associated with sauna use extended to other aspects of mental health as well. Men participating in the study who used the sauna four to seven times per week were 77% less likely to develop psychotic disorders, <laughs> regardless of the men's dietary habits, socioeconomic status, physical activity, and inflammatory status. So the question is, why? Uh, well, here are the cognitive benefits of the sauna or sweat lodge, obviously. So uh, once again, we have these proteins, but this time they're called heat shock proteins, and they trigger autophagy, just like the cold water. They're different proteins, but they and they respond in heat stress, and they trigger this uh, self-eating process of cleaning the mind and body. So uh, there's hormesis, which is cellular repair and protection that occurs. Once again, production of BDNF and neurogenesis, specifically in the hippocampus, cortex, cerebellum, and basal forebrain. Areas involved in learning, long-term memory, and executive function, which is the brain's capacity to uh, govern the mind and the body, right? And all their aspects of what's happening in your system. So BDNF is also produced in exercising muscle tissue, where it plays a role in muscle repair and the growth of new muscle cells vasodilation so instead of vasoconstriction we have vasodilation which is the blood flow expanding outward and obviously with that is going to come tremendous blood flow to the brain so this is why it's preventing all these disorders and healing people and preventing them from death uh, reduced cortisol and a training of the stress response not reacting to the force of the heat in this case heat not cold uh, and i would say this is something that you know i don't i don't know people who do breath work in the sauna a friend of mine who is friends with Wim Hof says the two of them do it but I personally don't think the sauna is really the best place for like certain types of breath work I think kind of like something along the lines of box breathing which I'll talk about later might be a good place for it but I find that singing in the sauna and talking to people socializing are the ways to train the stress response uh, that's a good way to distract yourself from the heat and not run out. And that being said, the heat, you know, you got to be careful with it just like you would the cold and not overdo it, as always. And so in terms of the cognitive benefits, another one here is two key players in cognitive mental function or nephinephrine and prolactin. Uh, so norepinephrine enhances focus and attention while prolactin promotes myelin growth, which makes the brain function faster critical feature in repairing nerve cell damage and we talked about prolactin before because it's the hormone you know released like after sex and with women and they're uh, lactating and after dopamine rays so uh, it, it's kind of this thing of like uh, like a like a a slump kind of experience and not necessarily negative but it can be if overactive uh, in this case, it's very positive. So uh, when young men stayed in a sauna that was heated to 80 degrees Celsius, 176 degrees Fahrenheit, until their subjective exhaustion, 
their norepinephrine levels increased by 310% and their proactin levels increased by 900%. So levels of cortisol, hormone commonly associated with the risks with the stress response, uh, was slightly decreased. And similarly, in a study involving women who participated in a 20-minute session in a dry sauna twice a week, experienced an 86% increase in norepinephrine and 510% increase in prolactin after the session. So a little bit different for men versus women. I don't have the reason why, just the numbers there. Uh, a couple information tidbits about the physical health benefits of the sauna. Reduces uh, inflammation and improves our immunity. The human growth hormone goes up 200 to 500%, depending on the duration and temperature of a single session. Wow, right? I mean, we were talking about that, like that's you would need to fast three days to get there. I'm sorry, two days to get there, which is where I'm at right now. Uh, yet in a deeper session, and this is wild, of two one-hour sessions a day for one week, it resulted in human growth numbers as high as 1,600%, 1,600, in both men and women after the third day. That's pretty wild. As we were talking, people pay $1,000 to $5,000 to get injected with human growth hormone. You can just go in a sauna twice a day uh, for three days and all of a sudden you're there. So just something to think about. Not everyone has access to a sauna, but if you can, you know somebody. Uh, and human growth hormone is something that you need for some reason other than just general well-being. Then here you go. A lot more easy to access. Um, the sauna also prevents muscle atrophy, so if you're not lifting weights for a reason and you're in the sauna, it'll keep them from decreasing. It keeps the strength. It improves endurance. It detoxifies heavy metals and other toxins through a massive movement of lymph through the lymphatic system. This is extremely important for our immunity. Decreases blood sugar levels, and it gives us robust cardiovascular health through the activation of circulation of blood. So, uh, and there's a lot to be said about the combination of the sauna and the cold plunge. Not a lot of studies, but there's definitely just a magic to it. It's been done for thousands of years. I do it almost daily. Uh, I try to go in the sauna five times a week. I prefer to not go in every day simply because I think it can become too much of a habitual thing. Even if it's amazing for you, physically speaking, I think that there's something about uh, shifting one's focus and abstaining from anything, any practice, at least a little bit, even if it's very good for you. I don't run every single day. I don't play music every single day. I don't eat every single day. Why should I go in the sauna every day? So just another thing to think about that, you know, abstinence is an empowering thing because there's also an aspect of like you're craving an experience, even if neuroscience says it's great for you and health, it's good to work with our cravings so that we can conquer our mind just from a simple yogic philosophy perspective. So I built out a wooden barrel sauna in my backyard last winter. And I can say without a doubt that all of the information about its capacity to rewire, reprogram, reboot, rejuvenate, replenish, so on and so forth, the brain, the emotional state, capacity for cognition with memory and problem solving, creativity, uh, 
and relaxation with the hormonal release and response and all the other extremely positive things that come with it. I can attest to it that it is most certainly a very accurate and extraordinarily impactful practice for sure. And that's why it remains to be my favorite one to put yourself in with stress and this sort of thing. But at the same time, it is extraordinarily uh, impactful in how it empowers your system and allows you to meet the stresses of the day from a place of a lot of clarity and a lot of composure and a lot of balance. And I definitely cannot recommend it enough to people. And I was just listening actually to podcast Lifespan with Dr. David Sinclair, who I think is a professor at Harvard, uh, really widely respected. He was talking about the sauna and he was saying uh, that there's no evidence to suggest that really you can do it to the point where it becomes problematic. That being said, you know, like I, I mentioned before uh, just a moment ago that I think that having periods of abstinence with all of these things, with anything, is necessary to fully be able to reap the benefits of any practice so that there's a point of stress and then a point of relaxation and that allows for you to go deeper into the stress. So whatever the practice is, whether it's heat, whether it's cold, whether it's fasting, exercise, breath work, meditation, yoga, plant medicine, whatever it is, it's important to always take periods of rest and recalibration in order to come back into a place of full equanimity. So just some additional thoughts on the sauna and I highly, highly recommend people if you are struggling with something in particular, the sauna is a great place to start to begin to understand what it is that is at the root of the problem. It repairs the body, it repairs the mind, it balances the emotions. It is an opportunity to step outside of ourselves, let's put it that way. There is a teaching that in traditional indigenous cultures that every home would have a sweat lodge and that would be used specifically for resolving emotional problems, for resolving family conflict, for resolving physical health issues, essentially all issues and problems that can come up. That was always the place to go to uh, in order to come back into a place of equilibrium. And yeah, anytime you find yourself after a sauna completely drained and drenched in sweat and totally to a place of surrender, you will absolutely be able to look at whatever obstacles or pain or emotional struggles or psychological hangups or frustrations that you have with life from a place of a lot more grace and a lot more peace. That I definitely can attest to. And I think there's a lot of really wonderful science that is supporting this as a practice that is sustainable for our health, for our mental health, for our physical health, for emotional health, for spiritual connection to the elements, and also for a uh, communal health. It 
brings us closer to people and actually they find that that's one of the benefits of the sauna is that there is a social aspect to it and it allows for greater connectivity and greater uh, communication between ourselves and others and anything that facilitates greater communication greater connectivity between ourselves and others is a profound medicine and something that we should look more deeply into especially at this time of our culture being horrendously fragmented from one another and from the elemental world from the natural world so what better way to rekindle that connection than by <laughs> essentially gathering into an extremely hot and confined space connecting with the elements and going past our physiological limits and anytime we push past our limits in the presence and in the communion with others tremendous levels of communication of all sorts start to open up so there's a lot here to meditate on and i encourage people to find ways to use the sauna and if possible to go to sweat lodges if you have a connection with the community or traditional elders that run sweat lodges that's another epic opportunity so utilizing the benefit of the heat to empower your mind your body your emotions and allow for a lot more clarity into your life